coat pocket or you've got it in a bag somewhere or maybe you had one for Christmas this year. I read an article just last week comparing the power of something like this, a remarkable feat of engineering, with something else that happened quite a long time ago. And it was this. Remember that? Well, some of you do. And some of you have only seen a recap of it. First time, which Apollo was it? Eleven. And what year? Oh, well done. Very good. Yes, 20th of July, I believe, 1969. And out of the Apollo program, of course, there came a, a great deal of scientific advances. There were thermal blankets and solar cells. And I believe the computer mouse as well. But perhaps the most significant thing that came out of it was the advance in computer technology. But um, I heard that on this article, they were saying that if you compared the computer that took them all the way from the Earth a quarter of a million miles to the moon and then landed on the moon, the, the Apollo guidance computer, if you compared that with what you have in your bag or your coat, this has a million times more memory that got, than got them there. And the processing power of this is a 100,000 times what they had available to get them to the moon. Remarkable thing, isn't it? But actually, for most of us, we just use it as the phone, don't we? Or we, we text, or we email, or we WhatsApp on it, don't we? The reason I mention that is that as I was reading through Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, the Nativity story and so on, it occurred to me that God used a lot of different means to communicate with people at that time. What do I mean? Well, for example, the angel appeared to Mary and told her, you are going to have a child. And then after that, there was the Bethlehem star, wasn't it? So God, we don't know exactly how it was, how they got the message, but these wise men knew to follow the star to Bethlehem to where the baby was to be born. And then there was Herod the king. Herod the king, of course, was not delighted at the news that there was to be another king. Generally speaking, kings do not enjoy other kings emerging. People with power don't like to share power, do they? So Herod was very interested to know where it was that the child was to be born. So how would he know? How was Herod going to know? Well, he found out because he gathered together the chief priests and the scribes and said to them, where is this child coming from? And they were able to answer, weren't they? And the reason they were able to answer was because they knew the Old Testament. They knew the scriptures. They knew Micah 5.2, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou art little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth he that is to be ruler in Israel. Hundreds and hundreds of years before it was to come true, Micah had written about that event. So, there was an angel, there was a star, there were the scriptures, 
And there were dreams as well. The wise men, later on, after having seen Jesus, they were told, don't go back to Herod, because we all know what Herod's going to do. Go back home via another route. So there were all sorts of unusual means, weren't there, of God communicating a message to people. He is, in many ways, the unexpected God, isn't he? And there are lots of other ways he's unexpected in the Christmas story. Generally speaking, this world is run by the powerful and the rich and the elite, isn't it? But those are not the kind of people that God chose in the story, were they? It was, um, there was the outsider. There was the insignificant. There were the unthought of. So, a girl by the name of Mary, who was she? She has no background to speak of. We don't know about her. And then there was Bethlehem, wasn't it? Bethlehem, six miles or so from Jerusalem. But Bethlehem is not Jerusalem. Bethlehem is some little insignificant hamlet somewhere, isn't it? Perhaps just a a few thousand people. And then there were the wise men. Who are the wise men? Well, they're outsiders, aren't they? They come from the east somewhere, don't they? They are not one of us, the Jews would have said. You see, God chooses all sorts of people. And you would have said of the Christmas story, it is... Wrong place, wrong people, wrong story, wouldn't you? But it wasn't. God communicated with people in lots of different ways. But sometimes, what God communicated was just this. He told people to do something in order that something else wouldn't happen. It's a, it's kind of like preventative medicine, isn't it? I mean... Many folks here, you'll have had the flu jab, won't you? Now, the flu jab, in and of itself, it doesn't do you anything, does it? Anything for you. You don't enjoy it at all. But it prevents something else happening, doesn't it? And that is what God did with various messages. He told people to do something so that something else would not happen. For example, Joseph knows Mary's having a child, and he knows that the child is not his. So he's going to divorce Mary, of course. But that can't happen, because if it happens, Mary will be on her own. It will be a scandal. You don't know how she's going to manage. So God sends the message to Joseph. You must marry her. And then later on as well, when Herod is trying to kill the baby... Joseph has another message, doesn't he? Leave Bethlehem and go, refugee, to Egypt. You see, God telling somebody to do something so that something else doesn't happen. Now, I was thinking about that sort of preventative message and thinking where else it happens in the Bible. And I, I wanted to put up one just in the last few minutes to think about. And it's this verse. And it's a very well-known verse, perhaps you'd say it's the most famous verse in all of the Bible. And it falls into that category, doesn't it? God doing something so that something else doesn't happen. Well, what did God do? 
He sent Jesus Christ into the world, didn't he? Now, Christmas time, you know, it involves travel, doesn't it? A lot of people, maybe your son or daughter, grandchildren coming to see you or vice versa, going hundreds of miles. But there is no journey that was like that journey. God sending his son from the splendor of heaven to the squalor of a stable. Back in 2009, I think it was, Prince William, in solidarity with the homeless, spent a night on the streets of London and he slept under Blackfriars Bridge for a night. And I'm quite sure that it was very cold and uncomfortable and so on. But it wasn't a patch on that journey and that stoop. What was the the carol we sang? Low within a manger lies he who made the starry skies. Which is really saying to us this. Here is Jesus. Who is he? He is the one through whom everything, stars in the sky, animals, birds, fish, mankind, everything that we see made through him. And then the one who did that contracted to a span. Born as a baby, weak and helpless into a family that have no money. They didn't have the money to pay for a lamb as a sacrifice at the temple. And God did that for us. You see, if if we have a God who can become as small as that, then it means that we have a God who is very big. And they say, don't they, it is a a great thing that man walked on the moon, but it is far more significant and important that God walked on the earth. And because God walked on the earth, it means that men may one day walk in heaven. Why did he do it? Well, it's clear, isn't it? He did it because God so loved the world. I don't know what kind of year you've had. Maybe it's been a very difficult year for you. Maybe there have been illnesses and diagnoses. Maybe people you've lost, troubles, financial issues, and so on. You may feel not cared for, unloved. Here is a great biblical truth that you are more loved than you ever dared hope or imagine. If you look at the Bible stories of the nativity, it's rather odd in a way. Where do you get the Christmas story? You get it in Matthew 1 and 2. You get it in Luke 1 and 2. And that's all. Two chapters in each of those two Gospels. And that represents less than 10% of the whole thing. So what does that tell you? Well, it tells you this, doesn't it? It tells you, don't stop at chapter 2, doesn't it? What would be the point? There's far more story to be reading about, isn't there? I mean, it would be really odd, wouldn't it? If, if you had a book and you read the first two chapters and then you closed up the book put it away, 
and grabbed it again 12 months later and read the same two chapters. That would make sense, would it? That would be ridiculous. What you need to know is what happened in the other 90% of the gospel. And what did happen there? Well, what did we say before preventative medicine? God did something so that something else wouldn't happen. What's the something else that might not happen there? So that we would not perish. You see, there are, there are two choices, two options, two futures, if you like, available to us there in the verse, aren't there? We can either perish or we can have eternal life. And which of those two it is, is entirely conditional on just one thing. It's whether you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we need that? Why can't we make our own way to heaven? Well, because of this. That God saw this world. And he saw all the rottenness of this world. And God must sentence that. He's a perfect judge. And yet, he sentenced Jesus Christ. It's ironic, really, isn't it? That the one man who didn't deserve death received it and died for us in our place, if you like. So we're told that we should believe in him. What, what does that mean? Well, it's kind of shorthand, isn't it, in a way? It's to repent, to say that we're sorry, to ask for forgiveness of sin, and to follow him. But what kind of following will it be this year for you, the year to come? Will it be a following at all. Just as we finish, it, it struck me that there were three groups, really, that we've been looking at in the Matthew story. There were the wise men, there were the chief priests, weren't there, and then there was Herod. Now, all those three groups, those three groups of people, they all knew the same thing. They knew that a child had been born, they knew that the child had been born in Bethlehem, and they knew that the child that was born was a special child. But then, they did different things with that information, didn't they? All knew the same, but decided to do something different. So Herod knew and wanted to kill Jesus. The chief priests, they knew, and they ignored him. Now, I, if you ever read through the Christmas, do you ever read through the Christmas story and think to yourself, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. Have you ever thought, why ever did the chief priests not go to Bethlehem? Isn't that strange? They, they knew about Micah. They knew where the child was born. The wise men had come. Well, why didn't they just say, hang on a minute, let me get my hat and coat, I'm coming with you. They didn't, did they? The, the, the chief priests, they knew and they ignored him. But the wise men, they knew and they went and they worshipped. There's a kind of huge contrast here. The chief priests, they knew so much and cared so little. And the wise men, knew so little and came so far. 
And you know the same things, don't you? You know those three things? You know that a child has been born. You know the child was born in Bethlehem. And you know that the child was a special one. But the big question is, what will you do with that knowledge?